Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.
Today is Wednesday, August 26, 2020. Coming up next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. A 17-year-old white man arrested in the murder of two Kenosha, Wisconsin protesters. We'll give you all of those details and how he just brazenly walked past cops and nobody did a thing. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic boycotting today's Game 5 of the NBA playoffs as a result of the shooting of Jacob Blake. In fact, the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma Thunder, they are also boycotting tonight's game. We'll tell you if LeBron's Lakers are doing the same thing. We'll hear from L.A. Clippers coach Doc Rivers as he speaks out about the shooting of Jacob Blake. He got extremely emotional laying out in terms of how black people feel about the shootings happening in this country. Plus, day two of the Republican National Convention is done. We'll show you some of the highlights and lowlights and talk about the white woman who spoke last night about why her black son should, should be racially profiled. Plus, Hurricane Laura barreling towards Texas. We'll talk with meteorologist Paul Goodlow about what is going to happen to my native state. Plus, we'll talk to a Jacksonville couple who saw their home appraisal rate increase after they removed all signs of blackness from their house. And folks, a new round of anti-Trump ads to show you. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. was the scene last night in Kenosha, Wisconsin. As you see right there, uh, the guy running down the street, he's carrying an AR-15. In a moment, you're gonna hear him start shooting. Here it is. This took place last night. He's literally firing at folks who are protesting. Now, the person who is shooting is backing away. You see, you're gonna see a moment where this, a 17-year-old out of Antioch, Illinois, his name is Kyle Rittenhouse, is gonna walk towards, towards those cops there. Nobody does a thing. Watch. protesters yelling to the cops this guy right here just shot some people watch this
The cops literally do nothing. They're yelling, this guy just shot some people. Now, we're gonna show another video. There's several videos that were shot. People were live streaming last night. And you're gonna see Kyle Rittenhouse just walking around with this gun fully loaded. So play the next video. This video was shot shortly before the shooting. Okay, folks, here's another video of that video we just showed right there from another angle. Now, we're about to show you a video of the aftermath of one of those folks who was actually shot. His arm almost is a gaping wound in his arm. And so remember when he, that guy Kyle was running down the street and then he was on his back and he fires and you see a guy jerk this way? This is that guy. Oh shit, shit, people are getting shot all around us. People are just getting shot everywhere, guys. Now, again, uh, you could not see it well there. A huge gaping hole there uh, in his arm. That shooter managed to leave the scene, leave Wisconsin, make his way back to his home in Antioch, Illinois. This is a photo of him right here, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. They've already, he's been charged with murder. They have already, uh, so the guy we just showed you with a gaping wound, that's a photo right there. Uh, you see him, you see the guy who's clutching his chest. We're not sure if he was the one who also was killed, but two people were killed by this gunman. You see right here, another photo angle there as well uh, of what took place. This is from the uh, video images uh, that were actually live streamed. He made it way to his home, and then he, of course, uh, was arrested by Illinois police. Uh, already, again, charged uh, for murder. He killed two people in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Rittenhouse was in bond court this morning regarding being a fugitive from justice in Wisconsin. He's being held on no bond, was due back in court for an extradition hearing. It's going to take place on Friday. And so, again, the people who are live streaming this whole thing. Now, here's what's crazy. The Kenosha, Wisconsin police, listen to what the police chief says about what took place last night. Everybody involved was out after the curfew. I'm, I'm not going to make a great deal of that, but the point is the curfew's in place to protect. Had persons not been out involved in, in violation of that, perhaps the situation that, that unfolded would not have happened. Um, so the last night, a 17-year-old individual from Antioch, Illinois, was involved in the use of firearms to reserve, to, excuse me, to, uh, 
to resolve whatever conflict was in place. The result of it was two people are dead. I'm sorry, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. They discovered white supremacist language on his social media. The chief said he was there to resolve whatever conflict? I'm sorry, he's holding an AR-15. What the hell conflict is he there to resolve? That makes no sense whatsoever. None, none whatsoever. That was Kenosha, Wisconsin, police chief Dan uh, Miskinis. That's what he had to say about what took place. Folks, this is absolutely crazy to see these, and some people are calling these militia. We don't know these guys are the militia. He's just simply a 17-year-old white guy with an AR-15 with live rounds of ammunition firing them at others. Now, you can disagree with the people who are out there demonstrating. You can call them whatever you want to, but please explain to me how anybody can somehow defend, and in fact, check this out, I was on social media earlier. Uh, this is the video right here. This is the video again. Show it again. Pull it up, y'all. This is the video here of exactly what took place. This is crazy. And I was uh, on social media, some MMA fighter, uh, she's already saying, hey, where can I contribute to his defense fund? That's the kind of nonsense uh, that we're seeing uh, happen. Let's go to my panel, A. Scott Bolden, former chair, National Bar Association, Political Action Committee, Robert Patillo, Executive Director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project, Janelle King, co-founder, Speak Georgia, Inc. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Scott, to sit here. The police chief says he was there to resolve whatever conflict. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the shooting of Jacob Blake <coughs> shot seven times in his back You've got this guy running around with his gun playing like he's somehow in the military or like he's some cop trying to bring uh, peace and order to Kenosha, Wisconsin. They, 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 they certainly uh, look past him. Now, under Wisconsin law, you have a right to carry an open carry without a license, but you got to be 18 years old. And if the police stop you and ask you for ID and or to see your driver's license, you have to do that. Now, if you got riots in the street and protesters, and this kid was 17 years old, not one police officer, as he walked by them with this AR-15, stopped him to ask any question. The people were yelling. He just shot those people down there. But those were black people and protesters, probably, or white protesters, and no one was listening to them. It was essentially okay for a 17-year-old with a rifle, a weapon of mass destruction, to walk by the police, shoot protesters, and make it back to Illinois. Now, they don't see us. They, they see us with a gun, and we're on the ground. But with somebody white and young who on camera kills people and protesters, they ignore them. That's the reality of uh, what's going on today. All right, so we're going to play this other video. This is a video of these what, white uh, militia folks. Um, Talking with talking with the cops now. Th th this makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, that that that's that's going on there it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and I'm I'm going to try to pull it up. Y'all don't have that video uh, where they toss in the water bottle. Okay, I'm gonna pull it in a second. But Robert, 
this is what you're seeing is crazy. What the chief said is uh, nonsense as well. How are you cops and you're letting this guy just sort of walk around doing whatever? Uh, none, none of this is crazy, Roland. Uh, none of this is unexpected. This is the inexorable result of what's going on in this country right now. And mm -hmm. uh, we cannot separate this from the rhetoric in politics either. But what we've heard all week is this inflammatory rhetoric about we are the last stand against the mob and Western civilization. We are the only thing that can pr protect these people from invading the suburbs. Suburban housewives will be taken away and, uh, and carried off by the mobs. So they'll destroy your quality of life. We are defending your Second Amendment right so you have the right to defend yourself against these uh, leftists and communists and looters they are um, they <laughs> put the Mikowskis from St. Louis on television as if they were heroes for doing something very similar to this which is violating every law on the books violating every uh, gun or uh, gun safety protocol uh, making themselves into vigilantes and this is the inexorable result of all of that if you take a AR-15 to a uh, to a march or to a protest where there are thousands of people, you have a 30-round magazine. So you are not going to be stopping these people. All you are there to do is incite additional violence. The only thing that can happen is that it go wrong and go badly. And we have to uh, we have to thank God in this horrible situation that these were very peaceful, nonviolent, um, uh, liberal protesters. Because had this been a NFAC group, or if this had been uh, NAGA, or if this had been another group where uh, the protesters were armed, then we would have had a crossfire situation, and the would had, uh, and you would have far more casualties. So unless but, we can tap down this political yeah. rhetoric and just talk about saving Western civilization from the hordes, well, we're going to continue to see this happening. And the fact is that in Kenosha, Wisconsin, listening to that police chief, we know exactly why those officers have not been shot, um, arrested for killing uh, Jacob Blake. Talk, listening right. to that police chief talk, he thinks that they, they, they were completely in the right. And let's understand that a black man in a T-shirt is more dangerous to American society than a white man with an AR-15 who just killed a bunch of people and is walking down the street. All right, watch this here. Look, look, no, wait, 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 wait. I got to well, watch this here. So this, okay. is a, this is a video here, folks, from last night. This is a video from last night. Listen to, now remember, the police chief, remember the police chief actually said that none of these folks should have been out, should have been mm -hmm. out because of the curfew. Listen to what the cops say to these white men parading around with guns and live ammo. Watch this. If you can keep people from pointing their guns at the crowd. <laughs> yeah, no laser pointers either. No laser pointers. They think that's guns too. That's what started most of this. Way back by the gas station again. Hey, thank you guys. Against them. I need a step. 
I'm sure they have a lot of bottles of water. Nice truck, You're going to have to get out of there. You're just the last one. You're going to have to move south or you're going to get off this block. This is the last one. You will disperse. All right. Thanks for attention to us, man. Yeah. Janelle, I want to go to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so wait, 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 wait. Here's the deal. The gunman, that was him. Yep. They, the cops, literally, or the cops, yep. the National Guard, whoever they were, literally said, thanks, you guys. <laughs> they gave them water. Now, if you're sitting here saying we need people off the streets, why are the cops telling these white guys, hey, guys, do me a favor. Don't point the gun at people. Uh, keep it down. But you saw, you saw right here the young white man, the young white man who is now, uh, uh, who is now, uh, uh, you'll see him right here. Uh, you see him right there on the left. That's him. You see in the little orange thing uh, over his That's Kyle. That's the guy who killed. The cops are literally telling them, Glad you guys are here and giving them water. <laughs> you know, go ahead. Well, let's start by saying this. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, second of all, I'm, I'm a little confused as to when to be outraged and when not to be outraged. Um, I, I don't know. Have we found the killers of Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. or Sequoia Turner? I think it's interesting to me that we kind of pick and choose when we want to be upset and we want to address certain issues. Um, in this case right here, how surprised can we really be? We were encouraging looting. We're encouraging rioting. Who is we're encouraging we? Who is we? behavior. We meaning that uh, the, those who support the Black Lives Matter movement. That's not true. Police officers who doesn't want police officers to be a part of any of these protests that we call peaceful, but these are not peaceful protests. These are individuals, predominantly white individuals, who are taking over what we call peaceful protesting, creating these anarchist experiences, and then we want to talk about it. I personally would rather talk about finding the individuals that killed Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. in the Chop Zone, or the little eight-year-old girl who died in died Sequoia Turner. And I also want to talk about the fact that in, in Atlanta, we, were, we had city council members encouraging people to walk in front of burned down buildings with AR-15s and saying it's okay for them to do that. Who, they have a right who? to do no, no, that. No, no, who? So no, 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 no. I don't who? need to be upset and win. No, 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 who? I, I need names. See, you just threw out names. You said council members. Who? Oh, well, see, so council member, um, it was, uh, a, a matter of fact, our mayor, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, was said it was okay for these individuals, there was a bunch of black individuals, to stand outside of the Wendy's that was burned down here in Atlanta with AR-15. Let me ask they, you a question. Uh, they said it was okay to wait, wait, wait. do that until after That's not true. Was that can't hold be on, true. Hold on, I got to ask you a question. I got to ask you a question. Is it the law in Georgia to be able to open carry weapons. Yes. It is a law. Now, one, one second. Well, hold, well, so, I mean, so, that, so, that's no, hold, wait, well, hold on. I mean, hold on, hold on. One second. Hold on. One second. One second. Hold on. One second. Hold on. One second. So, it's the law to have open carry in Georgia, correct? It is. Now, it's the law to have open carry in Wisconsin. But I'm going to ask you specifically do you condone these individuals with open carry firing? on other citizens, and these individuals are not protecting property. They don't own the property, 
and they're not police. So which is it? I mean, are you are you okay, so fine with I their actions before, or not? So I'm not condoning the killing of anybody. That's why I started out by saying that I want us to find those who murdered Horace Lorenzo Anderson. But no, but, no, but I'm asking, but I'm asking you, but I'm asking you about this. Your question on a very basic level, absolutely not. Am I condoning? the murder of but, anybody at any point in time, whether it be this individual who's walking down the street carrying an AR-15 for no reason at all, shooting at people, or whether it be those that were in the chop zone who have no face because no one cares about those who the person who killed the black boy in the chop zone. But I also so, asked you, no, 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 but I also I asked you, I asked you specifically about cops who don't, they don't want anybody out. Do you think it makes sense to have cops encouraging these folks with weapons and giving them water? I do not think it makes sense at all to encourage, for cops or anyone to encourage anyone to have weapons in the middle of the street for no apparent reason. Here's what, uh, uh, Scott, Scott, you want to go, go Scott, yes, yeah, Scott, go but, ahead. But, but, but watch, uh, Robert said something about uh, his commentary that I want to supplement or add on to. You now see Black Lives Matter movements when police are killing black men, and you see white supremacy groups or those connected to them infiltrating these peaceful protests, causing disturbances, shooting people in, in arms with the police, and then blaming Black Lives Matter or serving a narrative for the GOP and, and white conservatives saying that Black Lives Matter are a violent group and these are violent protests and they are anarchists. And these are white supremacist groups, whether it's in Minnesota or Wisconsin, who are infiltrating these peaceful protests, causing trouble, and then real or perceived blaming Black Lives Matter. That is some sophisticated racism right there. In fact, that we've got to be real careful about. In fact, Robert, if, one second, hold up, hold up. In fact, Robert, hold on. In fact, Robert, um, Minneapolis okay. police, Robert, mm. go to my iPad, Anthony. Remember the, the, uh, the white man with the umbrella uh, in Minneapolis, yeah. oh, the police, yeah. the police in Minneapolis identified him as a white supremacist. So mm -hmm. that wasn't black lives matter protesters, exactly. uh, knocking down wielding, knocking down windows. The, the Minneapolis elected officials and cops said, no, this was a, an identifiable white supremacist who was doing this, Robert. But look, Roller, to, to Janelle's point about there were people in front of the Wendy's with AR-15. It wasn't people in front of the Wendy's. It was me. It was uh, Keith and them. It was uh, people that we know in the community who are responsible gun owners who have AR-15s and AK-47s. And wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Don't overtalk, Robert. I'm gonna go, Robert, Janelle, this Scott. Robert, finish your point. And, and we, uh, but what we also have to discuss is the fact we talk about white supremacists infiltrating the movement. We have to talk about the white supremacists infiltration of police departments. The fact is, mm. the reason that this um, this murderer in, in uh, Kenosha <laughs> felt that, that he could do this was because he was default or de facto deputized by those officers to serve as local militia in an extension of a police force. We saw the city of Maude Aubrey killing where they had the text messages exactly. to, the, uh, to the two people where the police basically deputized them to prosecute any black person in the community as a criminal. So when a white person can use the badge of whiteness simply to uh, police any black person that they are deemed to be in control of, then <laughs> why are we even having a discussion about systemic racism? That is systemic racism right there where the system 
system creates white supremacy and allows them to kill people. Janelle. And endorses it. Janelle. Deputizes it. Yeah, I um, I just kind of want to push back on Robert just a tad bit when he said that it was him and, and Keith and them that was sending out there who were being responsible. <laughs> I guess they were being responsible until they killed an eight-year-old little girl. Um, but They're at the end of the day, right? Wait, 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 hey, hey, we can't, that's not, wait, wait, I can't, I can't hear. You didn't that. I can't, I can't, everybody stop, 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 stop. I cannot hear somebody talking. Janelle, finish. Then, Scott, you're next. Go. Yeah, so as I was stating, um, at the end of the day, I don't. I totally agree that we do have to look at what's happening in our police department. I'm not by any means saying that there are not bad cops. I believe most certainly there are bad cops. We see these bad cops. Matter of fact, we highlight the bad cops more than we highlight the good cops. So it's kind of hard to, to not understand that piece of it. However... I do think that that we have to be sure to be mindful that we don't generalize and, and put a, pre create a narrative that says that all officers are wrong or all officers are bad. Because th what happens is you have a community of individuals, especially young black boys that are growing up thinking that they are supposed to be afraid of cops. In fact, that right there can be far, can't be any further than the truth. Out of 50 million no. interactions with police officers a year, only less than 1% end in police brutality. That's not to say that we shouldn't address it and it's not an issue that we need to take up. But at the same time, we got to make sure that we put things in perspective so that we don't create a situation where we have young people calling for the absolute removal of police officers and safety in general. But Janelle, we have things in, we have things in perspective when we look at the fact that even when you have cops being held accountable, you have those so-called good cops who then want to have slowdowns. When you have a cop being held in Chicago for the death of Laquan McDonald, who lied. The other cops lied. They went to Burger King and erased the video. They tried to keep the videotape from actually coming out. They literally lied on the witness stand. And then the other cops in the department gets pissed off that somebody was being held accountable and then they decide to say, we're going to have a slowdown. So when you say, you know, look, we can't say all cops. No one is saying all cops. The problem is when all those other cops are unwilling to stand up, unwilling to say something. Hell, when you had the cops fire in Atlanta, when they snatched those two students, one from Morehouse and one from Spellman, out of the car. One of the cops pointed a gun at them, tased them. We showed the video for no reason. The cops in Atlanta got pissed off saying, oh, oh my God, our morale is so low. That's unfair. They didn't, they did not chastise the cops for their aberrant behavior. They got mad at the politicians for holding them accountable. So at one point, Janelle, are the so-called good cops going to step the hell up and be good citizens and say, you know what? Root out thugs in the department. Root because out white supremacists in the department. Root out these right. folks because they are making us look bad. So, Janelle, tell me when that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, but, no, no, but, no, Scott. No, no, Scott. She's going to ask my question. I'm going to you. So to your point, when is that well, going to happen? Different definition. We have, I think we have two different definitions of good cops and bad cops. So cops that actually serve as, um, you know, accessories to crimes, they're not considered good cops to me. So I'm not referring to them. I'm referring to those who are actually doing their job. I'm referring to those on the front line who are washing 
feces out of their uniforms because they're simply standing there trying to stand in between the, the <clears throat> anarchists and, and people's property. Oh, so, 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 so do you mean, do you mean, to, I think those are bad cops. And, 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 and bad cops are also when you are seeing a cop beat the hell out of somebody unnecessarily and you stand there, don't say nothing, don't do nothing. And then you go back to the station and lie on the report to protect your fellow officers. That happens Agreed. a hell of a whole lot. Scott, go ahead. It, it, it happens all the time. And good cops, see, the problem with that debate about good cops versus bad cops is a subterfuge for the reality. And that is, if you are on a police force and you know a bad cop and you don't report him, you are complicit in his negative behavior. I'm sorry, that's the reality. So there are no good cops if they know bad cops and don't do anything about it. Secondly, to my colleague on the panel, don't ever use, in my opinion, that statistic about 1%, because there is no way for you to measure how many black men and women have been abused by the police that go unreported, if you will. I've been abused by the police at least five times, and I guarantee you I'm not on a statistic, and I'm not in any report whatsoever. I would say 95% of every black person has had a bad experience with the police. They don't come to protect and serve in my neighborhood, whether I'm rich or poor. They come because they don't see us, and it's not to protect and serve, it's maybe. And he so we've all had these bad experiences. So don't use that statistic anymore. It's very, very misleading. Most black men have had those negative experiences because of the thick blue line, because they don't see us as human beings, and they treat us worse than animals. Well, and the fact of the matter is we've seen the various stats uh, when it comes to um, uh, what actually happens in these departments, the millions and billions of dollars being spent on police settlements. Uh, it happens over and over exactly. and over again. And now, of course, and we're not trying to defund the police well, either. Well, we're, we're trying to we're, we're trying well, to reappropriate funds so that the community policing and other programs can get rid of crime as opposed to having to solve that crime. We should never say we want to defund the police. We want to reprogram funds to make the community more power, powerful in partnership with the police. Janelle, it's go ahead. It's not defunding. Janelle, it's go reprogramming. Ahead. Janelle, go ahead. Thank you, Roland. Um, if I could just say this really quick, you know, so so I, I respectfully, I don't like to be told what I should not do or what are telling me what not to what not to use. So just to kind of push back on that just a tad bit. Um, first of all, the statistic is based off of reported crimes and reported issues. I think we all know that. Um, we also know that obviously, if you don't report something, then it won't be included in this. So as a black man, don't say I think it, you should it, encourage. It gets reduced I think you should encourage. Finish, please. If it's okay, I think you should encourage our young people to report their crimes. And if they are in a situation where they are being being abused for whatever reason, it needs to be reported because then that statistic now increases and it it causes us to have more of a foundation to stand on. Just because you're not reporting it doesn't make the data wrong. So this is obviously based on what is reported. I think we all know that. Well, bottom line is this: here. here's here's where one second, one second. Here's where we here's where we stand right now. Again, 17-year-old white boy uh, in jail, no bond, accused of uh, murdering two people in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, there's been all different types of fallout. Uh, people are responding in different ways. Here is uh, Democratic nominee Joe Biden. What I saw in that video makes me sick. Once again, a black man, Jacob Blake, has been shot by the police in broad daylight with the whole world watching you know, I spoke to Jacob's mom and dad, sister, and other members of the family just a little bit earlier. 
And I told them justice must and will be done. You know, our hearts are with his family, especially his children. It's horrible what they saw. Watching their father get shot. Like Gianna Floyd, they're asking why. Why daddy? Put yourself in the shoes of every black father and black mother in this country and ask, is this what we want America to be? Is this the country we should be? You know, as I said after George Floyd's murder, protesting brutality is a right and absolutely necessary. But burning down communities is not protest. It's needless violence. Violence that endangers lives. Violence that guts businesses and shutters businesses that serve the community. That's wrong. In the midst of this pain, the wisest words that I've heard spoken so far have come from Julia Jackson, Jacob's mother. She looked at the damage done in her community and she said this, quote, this doesn't reflect my son or my family. So let's unite and heal, do justice, end the violence, and end systemic racism in this country now. I would run a statement from uh, Donald Trump, but he hasn't actually released one. Now, today, with this breaking news, the NBA has postponed all of playoff games today. It started off with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic did this here. This was supposed to be game time. This is the video, an empty court. The Bucks players, of course, they're located 40 miles from Kenosha. They said they simply could not play a game today because of what happened to Jacob Blake. They also said the general manager came out and said there will be no statement from the players. That statement alone speaks volumes. Later, the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder announced they are not going to play. Then you also have the uh, L.A. Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers. They are not going to play. This is significant. You have not seen this in decades of a sports team choosing to boycott a game, not delay the game, but simply not play at all to bring attention to the case of Jacob Blake, the black man shot seven times at Kenosha, Wisconsin cops on Sunday. Last night, L.A. Clippers coach Doc Rivers gave an emotional, emotional speech about the issue of police brutality in America. What stands out to me is um, just just watching the Republican revention, uh, convention and this they're spewing this fear, right? Like all you hear is Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's, it's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Like I should just be a coach. And it's so often reminded of my color. You know, it's just really sad. We got to do better. Uh, but we got to demand better. Like we got, you know, it's, it's funny. We protest and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits. 
They go to Michigan with guns and they're spitting on cops and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down in the police force. My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away. We're trying to get them to protect us, just like they protect everybody else. Uh, and how dare the Republicans talk about fear? We're the ones that need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk every to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? This is the tweet the NBA sent out an hour ago. The NBA and the NBPA today announced that in light of the Milwaukee Bucks' decision to not take the floor today for Game 5 against the Orlando Magic, today's three games, Milwaukee, Orlando, Houston, OKC, and L.A. Lakers in Portland, have been postponed. Game 5 of each series will be rescheduled. Joining us right now is Vincent Goodwill, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, Howard Bryant, journalist with ESPN. Howard, I'll start with you. Uh, the reason that Doc Rivers' video last night was so powerful, now followed up by this action of the Milwaukee Bucks, is Doc Rivers knows this personally. In 1997, his home in San Antonio was burned to the ground as a result of a racist act. Yeah, I mean, no question. I mean, I, I think that where we're at right now, there's just no question that the... The country's coming apart, and we've been talking about this for months, and a lot of us have been talking about this for years. If you go back to Trayvon, this generation has been talking about this for almost a decade. And I think that you are at a spot where people have been asking, well, are you going to be about it? And when you have this reset after George Floyd, you have Black Lives Matter painted on the court. And people say, well, you know, this feels like a real embarrassment for the NBA. I can't think of a more appropriate time for them not to play. If, if any of this matters, if any of this is, is beyond sloganeering, this is the moment. This is the time where you say we actually need to make some form of statement. And I, I think, Roland, you and I talked about this for years. This is what's been this was the this is what the NBA avoided over Donald Sterling, an actual playoff boycott. This is what was avoided during the restart where a lot of players were saying we shouldn't play like George Hill or the Bucks, And now you've reached a point where you can't avoid it anymore. It's right here. Vincent, there so many people were saying, can we just get back to sports and get away from all this stuff, all the protests, uh, the George Floyd in the wake of that? Can we get away from all the politics? But these are black athletes joined by white partners and allies who are saying no. We can't step out on that court after what we just witnessed take place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, located 40 miles uh, from, uh, from Milwaukee. This reminds me, when Trayvon Martin was shot and killed uh, by George Zimmerman in uh, 2012, folks forget Sanford is not far from Orlando. And the reality is I was one of the people, Vincent, who was critical of the, of the Orlando Magic players for not doing a damn thing. And I remember I was I was one of the folks who was like talking about it and pushing it. And I was tweeting LeBron and tweeting uh, Dwayne Wade and hitting them on DM saying, yo man, here's the moment, the kids from Miami. And then 
they released that photo of all of them as players in hoodies. This is where athletes are saying we're not just going to shut up and dribble. Yeah, I think the, the levies of this type of racism, we can say that it's been going on for a long time and now it's finally broken. Whether it's social media or the advent of camera phones, this generation is so much more used to using their voices and demanding more. Like, we're, we're always reminded of the MLK quote about the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice, but it but its reach is long. The problem is white folks know that too and they keep leaning on that. And this generation is looking and saying, wait, the Civil Rights Act of 1965 are, are basically our grandparents now, and we haven't gotten far enough. We're going to keep pushing it. We're going to try a new play from this playbook. And I don't know if people have been ready for this, but I think it's been building for quite a long time, Roland. I don't even know if the players know what the next step is. I don't know if they should know what the next step is, but they've leveraged all the power that they have. And here's the other thing that people do not realize. When you're poor, power is a construct above your head. You have no access to power. When you get a little bit of money, you understand how power works, even though you don't have access to power if you're black. So they know what this means. They know that this is basically all of their leverage pushed to the center of the table to show people that they are serious. And just the act of it alone, who knows what happens tomorrow or through the weekend. But the fact that they've leveraged everything and they've told America, you need a timeout. I think is admirable. Uh, let's also keep in mind, uh, Howard, you are a sports historian. This is not the first time some players have boycotted a game. 1961, several players of the Boston Celtics boycotted a game in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky because of how they were treated. Uh, Bill Russell, Casey Jones, Satch Sanders, Sam Jones, and Al Butler because of how Sanders and Sam Jones were refused service in a coffee shop at the team's hotel. Uh, and then, uh, according to this story in the Boston Globe, uh, Red Arbach, the head coach, accepted his players' protest and drove the five to the airport. Yeah, no question. And let's also not forget something else, that today is the anniversary of Colin Kaepernick taking his knee four years ago. And you do have a, a generational thing here where if you are of a certain age, you're reminded of what of, of the impact that players have. If you're not, then people sort of wonder what all what is all this going to mean? What's it all going to do? And what we're finding out is you're finding out the impact of collective action that the Milwaukee Brewers baseball chose not to play tonight. And that sport is 7.7% black. So this is this moment. We're talking about this. We saw this when George Floyd was killed and we saw all these corporations get involved and say that they that they were on board and that this mattered and they were going to take this seriously. And now you see something like this happening and you realize that slowly, 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 you're beginning to see more collective action. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out in terms of the diplomacy that's taking place with the NBA right now, because is this a, is this a one game thing? Is this a, is it two? Is it a week? Is it what is taking place right now? And what conversations are taking place? Because we know of this with the national football league, the first impulse of the of the NFL would be to crack down. So I'm really going to be interested in seeing the, the, the conversation between power and access, how that plays out, and when the NBA realizes, or if the NBA realizes, that, that partnership with the players is still the way to go. Uh, it's very, very difficult for the NBA right now to say that all of this matters and then not back the players. 
everyone's got to be in this together right now, or it undermines everything that we've seen for the last eight weeks. And of course, Vanson, you've got uh, one of the members of the Dallas Cowboys who said he is going to take a knee. Jerry Jones is trying to get him not to do it. He's trying to say, hey, how, well, how about if you kneel before the national anthem and stand up for it? Uh, guys like Jerry Jones, big-time Donald Trump supporters, big-time Republicans are not listening to players. And here we are, to, as Howard said, four years after uh, Colin Kaepernick and the shift, the tide has shifted. A majority of Americans agree with Colin Kaepernick taking that knee. You have people who are, being, who are, who are waking up. And, and to go back to the point about the NBA, people got to remember, you had a couple of NBA players who got into it with a cop. One of them had his leg broken by the NYPD. And so when people well, start saying... Rolling, go ahead, Howard. Don't forget that Sterling Brown was a member of the Milwaukee Bucks when the police beat him up. Right. They know this firsthand. Right. So when you hear people say, oh, y'all are rich athletes, when you have idiots like Jason Whitlock, oh, this doesn't affect you. No, these players are saying we might be black, but we are affected, and so are our brothers and our cousins and our nephews. Well, here's the thing, Roland. America doesn't want to hear from poor black folks. They don't want to hear from rich black folks. What type of black people do they want to hear from? Let us know, because we'll actually show up whatever demographic of black people, whether it be athletes, successful people, the lower rung, whatever you want to call it, we'll show up and be there when we want to be, when y'all want to hear from us. The thing is, they don't want to hear from us. The thing is, we shouldn't be paying attention to bad faith actors like Jason Whitlock or people who just want to have divert, use diversionary tactics to turn the conversation into something that is not. Whether it's China or black-on-black -black crime or whatever else the case may be, whenever it's time to have a discussion about police brutality sanctioned by the state against African Americans, against black Americans, then everybody wants to bring up all this other stuff. Let's keep the focus on where it is. And yeah, it is time for the Jerry Joneses of the world, the big-time right-wing guys who we know where he stands. Don't go out there and do something like he did two years ago, was it Howard, where on Monday Night Football, where he kneeled with his players before the anthem and some show of unity that was actually just a demonstration and not anything of substance. Go out there and truly stand behind your players, or if you're the Dallas Cowboy players, defy the owner who signs your paycheck and stand with what your skin color says you should. Final comment, Howard Bryant. I was just going to say that when you look at what's taking place all across the board here, the this is what everyone asked for, right? You asked for players to be involved. You asked for players to to take a risk. We asked for players to do something to be about something more than simply wearing a T-shirt. And you're starting you're starting to see this. And I think that what I'm I'm really impressed by is the fact that the players could have tried to negotiate with Adam Silver. This time they did a conscientious strike and they said, we're not playing. And, and they're actually leading. And let's also not forget the WNBA is contemplating doing the same. It's a collective action. Absolutely. Uh, Howard Bryant, Vincent Goodwill. Gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, I want, to go, I want to go back to my panel here. Uh, Janelle, I want to start with you. Uh, you look at the WNBA. Uh, they, they were very clear very, uh, in terms of those players uh, speaking out against Black Lives Matter. You had Senator Kelly Loeffler, co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, uh, who was critical of them, critical of the WNBA. Uh, now you have these players here. Well, here's the deal. 
Uh, are these people still human beings? Can they not use their voices to protest? Uh, your take on not only uh, the Bucks players doing this, along with the Magic, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Lakers in Portland, but also the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they, uh, they also made it clear. One of their closers said, we simply could not be silent. We must take a stand on this. These are athletes who are making it perfectly clear. We simply will not just shut up and dribble the basketball. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm interested in seeing you know the the outcome and the results of this one night of boycotting. Um, I'm also interested in seeing what happens as a result of all the rioting and everything as well. I know the um, gentleman that was on um, said that that was on before said that they um, are taking a new approach because we're not seeing the change we want to see. So I'm interested in seeing what's the outcome of these this new approach. What, what, um, what because, do you think it should be? Uh, no, no, what, you said the outcome. What do you think the outcome should be? You're saying you're interested in seeing what the outcome is going to be. What should the outcome be? Because they're protesting, they're protesting the actions of police uh, and others. So what outcome do you want to see? Yeah, so, well, okay, so the outcome that I would like to see is more um, black people get engaged in the political process as it relates to running for office, as it relates to... That's, that's um, actually happening. That, that, first of all, that's actually happening. That, that's actually happening. Okay. No, 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 I'm just saying, you said I'd like to see more, but the reality is this year showed a dramatic increase, especially black women running for office. But go ahead, what other outcome do you want to see from, from what the players are doing? Yeah, so I want, like I said, I want to see more people run for office. I want to see more people elect um, African American shares in their departments. I want to see programs and, and opportunities where we can do more community policing. I want to have more discussions. I mean, my, my I myself was recently appointed to the Board of Corrections um, here for the state of Georgia, so I know I'm going to definitely be involved in being a part of that as far as looking at what this process is is like as it relates to human trafficking, as it relates to police brutality, as it relates to anything that's in relation to the Department of Corrections. So I know I'm doing my part, um, and I didn't have to march in the street to do that. However, I do think that if we work together and understand that this is not going to take, that, that a solution is not going to come from one side or another. We keep talking about Republican versus Democrat, but I don't think the Democrats can do this alone or Republicans can do this alone. So I think at the end of the day, we just need to work together and be, come up with real solutions. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm all for it. If there's some type of drastic change and we're able to litigate you know, the hearts of man as a result of you know, our boycotts and our marching, I think that's great. But it's very difficult to legislate heart issues. Hate is going to be hate. Evil is going to be evil. People, if they're racist, they're going to be racist. I would love for us to come up with some type of, of, of test that we can administer to police officers that tell us whether or not they have hate in their heart. But all I know is that at the end of the day, we have to keep it real and understand that people are going to make bad decisions. And what we need to do is make sure that we're doing the best thing possible to elect people and put people in positions that serve in the right interest. Those, I mean, we can look at their past records. You know, I mean, look at prime example. We have a new DA here in in Georgia. I thought that's awesome. Fonnie Willis. This is what I'm talking about. This is the change we need to see. But we didn't get here overnight, so we can't expect the change to happen overnight. Well, well let's be real clear. You said you didn't have to march and protest to get that appointment, but somebody black did march and protest for you to get that appointment. 
I mean, so to act as if somehow, no, no, but no, 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 but you, you said that you didn't have to, but the whole point is somebody did something before you came along, before you were born. I'm that, grateful for them. Maybe right, I right, added right, that part. right. I'm so, for so, those who came before me very much so. Right. So the point I'm making is protesting and marching today does indeed lead to action. It has been more than three months since George Floyd has died. You have seen, you are seeing a reckoning, Robert, among a number of people, a number of corporations, a number of ad agencies, a number of political outfits as well, because people are demanding folks stop closing their eyes. You have seen this reckoning has been taking place after the Genesis 6, after Trayvon Martin. So people want the thing to be sped up, but the reality is this here. America has never done anything for black people unless they were forced to. And that's what folks are responding to. So guess what? When people did march peacefully, a lot of folk were real quiet, Robert, but it's amazing how people start responding when stuff does get burned out. I'm not saying do it. I think it's, I, I don't think it's good for us, but I'm, I, but I, Janelle, you can shake your head all you want to, but I can walk you down history. I can walk you down every single civil rights act that was signed in the 1960s. Every single one was preceded by black blood being spilled, was preceded by riots, which were instigated in nearly every case by police brutality. You can talk, we can go down the line, 64 Civil Rights Act, 65 Voting Rights Act, 68 Fair Housing Act. We can go down that line. America, Robert, for some reason, only responds to violence. In the words of in the words of H. R. Brown, violence is as American as cherry pie. Uh, so this is nothing new in this country. But to Janelle's point, I do think it's important for us to uh, realize that. We have to stop pretending that getting Donald Trump out of office is well, the solution to this. We cannot continue to simply say, uh, vote Democrat, that will solve all of your issues. Because guess what? When Obama was in office, we had the same problems. When uh, Clinton was in office, we had the same problems. Hell, when Carter and when Kennedy were in office, we had the same problems. Kennedy famously said, I can uh, solve your issues with the stroke, of a pen, uh, the stroke of my fountain pen. And we still haven't had these issues since then. So in addition to getting people to vote, in addition to making sure that we uh, enfranchise people, we stop voter suppression, we stop voter intimidation. Uh, in addition to training and funding and so on and so forth, we have to make sure that we have an agenda which is set in stone, which is non-negotiable, which anybody who f um, feels the need to campaign for the black community <coughs> understands that this has to be met. I don't care how many wonderful fluff pieces you can put or performative justice that you like to, uh, like to articulate. Rand Paul spoke at the RNC convention last night. He has single held handedly held up the anti-lynching legislation in the Senate. How the hell is mm -hmm. it 2020 and we're still fighting over anti-lynching legislation and get, and in get, the Senate? And Robert, and guess who's quiet? Guess who's quiet about that? A whole bunch of black Republicans. A whole mm -hmm. bunch of... And see, here's the deal. See, here's my whole deal. See, you're absolutely right. No one... It's not true. Please show. No, please. Okay. Please. Please. Oh, no, hold, hold, Janelle. 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 Please show me where black Republicans have actually re released a statement or held a news conference or a Zoom call standing in unison to say, Rand Paul, you should stop. You should get out of the way of this act. Has it? Has it happened? So here's the thing. When it comes to black Republicans, you're not going to see a stand up and do spectacles. That's my point. Do it went... went, well, if you let me finish, I'll explain <laughs> to you what we're doing. 
just spoken it this morning. I sat on a panel this morning with the American Jewish community, and we talked about that particular piece of legislation. Um, so, and so there are a number of Black Republicans who are supporting that. Jerron Smith. There are a lot of Black Republicans. But here's the thing. We know and we've seen over time that standing up and doing press conferences and creating spectacles have led to absolutely nothing. So what we're doing is working behind the scenes. So believe me, it will get done. Here's the deal, Scott. Here's the whole deal. I, on this, Scott, Scott, here's the deal. No, here's the deal. On this show, on my TV One show, every time we talk about voter suppression, when I say to black Republicans, when y'all going to say something, oh, no, well, we really can't get together and don't really say anything together, so uh, we working behind the scenes. It's amazing how it's a whole lot of talk about behind the scenes, but don't a damn thing actually happen. The reality we is... 7,000 people released from prison that because of our behind-the-scenes Oh, no, no, hold up. On the scenes. Oh, see, no, right no, there, no. see, right there, see, this This is yeah, one of the mistakes is. that you also it's make. True. No, 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 actually, let me, re- let, me, let, me, let me correct you, because, see, as <laughs> some, no, let me correct you. No, 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 let me correct you about that particular bill. First of all, the bill that was passed in the House was very weak. When it went over to the Senate, it was held up by Durbin, Booker, Harris, also Grassley, because they said this has to be greatly improved. The bill that Republicans wanted to do was a jail reform bill. When they got to the Senate, they said, no, this ain't coming through the Democratic Senate, coming through the Senate unless you change this bill. So this whole notion of, and that's 7,000, but I would have loved for you black Republicans, when there was a stronger (laughs) criminal justice bill that Obama had proposed, I would have loved y'all had the guts to challenge Tom Cotton and Jeff Sessions and the Republicans who blocked it because that was a much stronger criminal justice reform bill that was there for the taking when Obama was president, but Republicans stood in the way and a bunch of black Republicans didn't say a damn thing. Scott, go ahead. Scott, your point. Scott, go ahead, Scott. Scott, go ahead. Scott, real quick before I go to Paul Goodlow to talk about the uh, hurricane in Houston, go. Well, they, they, they work behind the scenes, which means white Republicans lead. That's never going to get to the truth. But, Roland, I want to make sure we understand the NBA. They, these, these ball players are hurting. You can't look at that video without becoming emotional and saying, why did he shoot him? Why did he shoot him? And so uh, this is huge for us because it costs the NBA and the players and the owners money. Now we're getting to the American capitalism core. Right. And so this makes it huge. And we don't want to miss that point. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk with Paul Goodlow of the Weather Channel about the hurricane on its way to Texas. Also, we're going to talk to a couple. Y'all, white appraisers greatly undervalued their property because they're black. But then when they removed all signs of blackness, it was a much higher appraisal. You don't think racism still exists in America, Nikki Haley? We'll show you next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. 
Census takers will be visiting households to make sure we are counted. Too much is at stake. Respond online today. Shape your future. Start here at 2020census.gov. As our community comes together to support the fight against racial injustice, I want to take a second to talk about one thing we can do to ensure our voices are heard. Not tomorrow, but now. Have your voices heard in terms of what kind of future we want by taking the 2020 census today at 2020census.gov? Now, folks, let me help you out. The census is a count of everyone living in the country. It happens once every 10 years. It is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. The thing that's important is that the census informs funding, billions of dollars, how they are spent in our communities every single year. I grew up in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas, and we wanted, to, we wanted new parks and roads and a senior citizen center. Well, the census helps inform all of that and where funding goes. It also determines how many seats your state will get in the U.S. House of Representatives. Young black men and young children of color are historically undercounted which means a potential loss of funding of services that helps our community. Folks, we have the power to change that. We have the power to help determine where hundreds of billions in federal funding go each year for the next 10 years. Funding that can impact our community, our neighborhoods, and our families and friends. Folks, responses are 100% confidential and can't be shared with your landlord, law enforcement, or any government agency. So please, take the 2020 census today. Shape your future. Start at 2020census.gov. Hurricane Laura has drifted into a Category 4 storm as it heads for a destructive landfall near the Texas-Louisiana border. Uh, Wednesday night, of course, that's how it grew. Folks, here is an image of what it looks like. Uh, it is a massive storm. It is picking up speed. Uh, let's go to Paul, Paul Goodlow, meteorologist for the Weather Channel. Paul, glad to have you on the show. Uh, this is the first major hurricane uh, of this season. And, uh, man, Texas and Louisiana better get ready. Yeah, in fact, uh, Roland, I'm in uh, Galveston right now. I was in Houston yesterday. And Houston... You know, we're going to dodge the bullet in terms of major impact. We're going to have some. We're going to have gusty winds, maybe some power outages, uh, so your people in Houston will be okay. But you know, just be prepared to be without power for a day or two. Uh, the winds come in tonight, and they go down tomorrow. But uh, here in Galveston, they have a concern with storm surge, which is basically the storm kind of pushing and bringing the water up and then pushing it on land. And here on the west side of center here in Galveston, we're going to have more like bay flooding. So instead of the flooding coming from the Gulf onto Seawall Boulevard and up the Seawall, it's going to come from the back bay and flood areas that normally don't have the wind and the water pushing from that direction. So uh, people who aren't used to seeing flooding or water rising in that direction will see it. But as we go towards the center and even east of the center, that's where we're talking uh, Beaumont, uh, Port Arthur, uh, Orange, Texas. They're all in that kind of bullseye of getting that western eye wall. And we head on towards Lake Charles, even Cameron, uh, Louisiana. And that part of Louisiana will see the center of this Category 4 hurricane. 145 mile per hour winds, nothing, you know, well, it could possibly strengthen even more. But bottom line, even if it doesn't strengthen one more bit, these things don't have breaks. They're going to coast down and bring Category 4 impacts to that coast. And we're talking a life-threatening storm surge. This is wording and lettering from the National Hurricane Center, 10 to 20-foot storm surge. If you think about what happened with Hurricane uh, Ike here in Galveston, even the Bolivar Peninsula, they had you know over a 12-foot storm surge, and that pushed like 
12 to 16 miles inland. So we're talking from the coast of Louisiana on through I-10. That's a good 20, 30 miles could see water pushed up. Maybe not 20 feet the whole way, but uh, we're going to see perhaps some flooding on I-10 tomorrow, really overnight tonight. And it's coming in at the worst time. We're talking uh, sometime between, say, 11 p.m. local time and maybe 3 a.m local time. So when people are trying to sleep, there could be death and destruction lapping at their uh, front door. So it's a big concern for people to hopefully have uh, prepared the best they can and just kind of hunkered down. And uh, I got to tell you, Roland, this is the first time we had a major hurricane this season, but this is the season of also COVID-19. So it's a whole new ball game here in terms of trying to keep people safe, the normal uh, shelters uh, not working the same way because you can't hold as many people and it's a big concern because, you know, people have this ongoing pandemic of the virus. And then you have this uh, Mother Nature disaster of this major hurricane coming on through. And uh, I am very concerned that people who are stubborn, who, who actually are also people who, who don't have money because of the pandemic now and other situations, don't have money to leave or don't want to lose their belongings, they will lose their lives because they're staying in place in areas that will see catastrophic and life-threatening water approach them overnight tonight in the middle of the dark. Paul Goodlow with the Weather Channel, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Sure thing. All right, then. Uh, folks, I'm going to do this here. I want to pick up on this here just a few moments ago. Uh, I thought we were done with uh, the NBA story, uh, but a few moments ago, uh, former NBA player uh, Kenny Smith, uh, they were actually live on Inside the NBA on TNT, and this happened. I think the biggest thing now is to kind of, as a black man, as a former player, I think it's for best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight. And figure out what happens after that. Yeah, I, I just don't feel quick to do that. And I respect that. The fact that I think the biggest thing now is to kind of I just want to uh, just again to go ahead and show you all that uh, that literally took place about 30 minutes ago last night, second night of the Republican National Convention. Melania Trump spoke and she actually touched on the issue of race in her speech. Interesting. Like all of you, I have reflected on the racial unrest in our country. It is a harsh reality that we are not proud of parts of our history. I encourage people to focus on our future while still learning from our past. We must remember that today we are all one community comprised of many races, religions, and ethnicities. Our diverse and storied history is what makes our country strong, and yet, we still have so much to learn from one another. With that in mind, I'd like to call on the citizens of this country to take a moment, pause, and look at things from all perspectives. I urge people to come together in a civil manner so we can work and live up to our standard American ideals. I also ask people to stop the violence and looting being done in the name of justice. 
and never make assumptions based on the color of a person's skin. Instead of tearing things down, tearing things down let's reflect on our mistakes, be proud of our evolution, and look to our way forward. Every day, let us remember that we are one nation under God, and we need to cherish one another. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron also spoke about Republicans' belief in justice for all. And for Republicans, our heroes are those who propelled an imperfect nation ever forward, always striving to make life better for everyone. Even as anarchists mindlessly tear up American cities while attacking police and innocent bystanders, we Republicans do recognize those who work in good faith towards peace, justice, and equality. In fact, it was General Dwight Eisenhower, a future Republican president, who said, democracy is a system that recognizes the equality of humans before the law. Whether you are the family of Breonna Taylor or David Dorn, these are the ideals that will heal our nation's wounds. Republicans will never turn a blind eye to unjust acts, but neither will we accept an all-out assault on Western civilization. One of the other speakers last night who spoke out against abortion, well, she also made a video that endorsed racial profiling of her own son, Abby Johnson, adopted a biracial child and says she is confident that he is more likely to be criminal than her white sons. I see that there is a, a disproportionately high number of African-American males in our prison population for crimes, particularly for violent crimes. So statistically, when a police officer sees a brown man, like my Jude, walking down the road, as opposed to my white nerdy kids, my white nerdy men walking down the road, because of the statistics that he knows in his head, that these police officers know in their head, they're going to know that statistically, my brown son is more likely to commit a violent offense over my white sons. Okay? So the fact that in his head, he would be more careful around my brown son than my white son, that doesn't actually make me angry. That makes that police officer smart because of statistics. That's a hell of a vetting process, Janelle. Janelle, that, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, go, go, please, go ahead. Oh, I think this is exactly why, when we were talking in the earlier segment about statistics, why we need to report more cases of profiling or police brutality versus just kind of turning a blind eye to it so that we can change the narrative. Because what she was saying is that whether it's right or wrong, due to the fact that this narrative is being pushed and these statistics are out here, that we can kind of count on this type of reaction, whether it's right or wrong. Um, I'm not, I don't know exactly where or what, where she was going completely with all of that, but I just think it speaks to why we need to make sure that we do pay attention to changing the narrative around these statistics and changing the statistics in general. No, Robert, she's stupid. What she's saying is that, well, you know, because of the stats, you know, in his mind, 
You know, that's like me saying, well, you know what? Most serial killers are white men. So when I encounter a white guy, in my mind, I'm thinking he <laughs> wants to sit here and kill everybody exactly. up in the room. That's how idiotic she sounds. No, at no point does she say, maybe the problem with the officer is what he should do is properly observe her son. And if her brown son is doing nothing wrong, then don't pull his ass over in search of some something he did wrong. Well, look, well, I don't know how seriously you can take somebody who has a vanilla ice shirt, uh, t a quote on her T-shirt uh, <laughs> from Ice Ice Baby. So uh, let's take all this with a grain of sand. That, that, was a hit, that was a hit song. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but look, she's 100 percent right. Uh, and I think it's important for her to articulate this because that is the definition of what systemic racism is. What she did was exactly. articulate exactly what black people have been trying to explain for generations, which is that people in power, white police officers, See a young black boy who's just as nerdy, just as innocent, comes from the same family, has the same background as these two nerdy white boys. But because of systemic racism and his belief in the racial inferiority, the innate dangerous nature of an African-American, he sees that young black boy as a threat just because of the color of his skin. See, he's articulating systemic racism perfectly and doesn't even understand it, again, because of vanilla ice. And I think what we have to do is take this and use this as a way to talk to our Republican friends of why we have have to have anti-bias training because it's ingrained in them. They don't even know it's in there. Just like the fear of snakes and the fear of uh, the fear of spiders. When you don't know why you're afraid of them, you just are. That's how many of these white officers are when they approach black people. They see us with that same level of fear because they believe in their mind statistically that they are more dangerous. When you un when people understand systemic racism, then they will understand America. And when you understand America, you can finally fix it. Scott, forgive me for having to sit there. <laughs> and listen to the bullshit coming out Melania Trump's mouth uh, talking about uh, our past. She's a birther. Yeah, this, this, this is a, this is a, let's just be, let's just be real clear. Right. This is a woman who literally engaged in racially driven birtherism against Obama. She's never apologized. She's never said, you know, I shouldn't have done that. She's never done that. So excuse me mm -hmm. if I really don't want to listen to what you got to say. So here's where she was on Joy Behar when she had her show on Headline News. This is the woman who's now the first lady. Press play. Do you want to see President Obama birth certificate or not? I've seen it. I've seen it. It's not it, the birth certificate. Well, it's a, it's a certificate of live birth, right, which they but, get. But Melania, that if they... If he insists on what he's saying, then no one in Hawaii can ever run for president because they all get the same live birth certificate. Well, but they need ben to have... Miller is finished, for example. <laughs> <laughs> they need to have, and in one way, it will be very easy if President Obama just show it. And because it's not, only, it's not only Donald <laughs> who wants to see it, it's American people who voted for him and who didn't vote for him. They want to see that. But it, Voted for him, and who did not vote for him? Okay. <laughs> you know, she's a birther, basically. And in that clip, she's arguing about it. She's not just saying a mouthpiece for Donald Trump, but the whole convention for the RNC has been the height of arrogance and the depth of hypocrisy. It's like there's this alternative universe where they describe Donald Trump, and then she says that, you know, we need racial unity— but she's a birther, if you will. Uh, 
He's anti-immigration plans are the worst that we've ever had. And they put babies in, in cages as part of his immigration plan. And yet he uses the White House and certifies new, Af new Americans from the S-hole countries that he doesn't want. The whole convention is an alternative uh, reality and completely inconsistent with the policies, the lies, and the tweets Donald Trump says. And they are inversing it in a way that makes it seem acceptable and plausible. But the only people who are buying it is his 40%. And he can't grow from that because we see the very reality. Has he said anything about the killing in Kenosha, Wisconsin yet? No. Has he offered any condolences well, yet? Well, according to, no. I, I was watching, I was watching earlier, uh, I saw a clip uh, where he placed a call to the mother of Jacob Blake, uh, but and she did, did not take the what call. But, but one sec, but one sec, but, but Janelle, do you want to get your thoughts on this here? Again, the video doesn't lie. Melania Trump is a birther. That was a racist BS nonsense against Obama. Seriously? Okay, okay and, wait, and, and so she's are we talking about Obama. Are we no, talking no, about that? Are we, are we talking about what she said about Obama the years ago? No, 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 no. Actually, I'm, actually, I'm talking about both. What I'm saying no, is, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really trying to. Be no, trying no, no, to no, 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 no. I'm, I am on topic. I'm, what I'm saying is, here is she standing. Here is she standing, uh, standing there last night, talking about our past and race and what we got to do and blah 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 blah. blah. But she's a birther. And she and she has never apologized. She's never said I was wrong for that, At, not one time. So well, okay. So so I mean, we seem to have forgiven President. I mean, I'm sorry. We seem to have forgiven um, a number of elected officials who have said things in the past. I mean, for one, we seem to have forgiven um, Joe Biden for all the things that he said. We forgave him for the 1994 crime bill. We forgave him for the busing issue. We forgave him for a number of things. So it's so funny to me that when it comes to Republicans, we seem to dig deep into the past to try to justify. No, no, actually, no, actually, no, no, actually, First of all, we saw in one of the debates where Sin, we saw where Sin, we saw where Sin, we, uh, one second we saw where Senator Kamala Harris jammed up VP Joe Biden. She didn't let him off the hook. She challenged him on that. But again, but she's here's supporting him now. But again, so he but, again he, but, but, but here's the deal. Here's Melania Trump that talking about racial, talking about that. racial reconciliation, who has never even addressed it, who has never even. You know what? That was wrong. I should I, well, I, I, I should hold my breath when Joe Biden addressed whether or not he's a segregationist or not. Then no, I'll make sure I'm, that he makes well, sure here's, here's the deal. So, 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 so what I'm saying. So, so, so should Melania address that? I personally don't think she should. Yeah. Just okay. Much, I, I, I think first of all, I, I figured that. Wow. But I, I mean, well, I mean, wow. if you're asking me a question, if you want me to answer it, I can answer yeah, it. Yeah, go I ahead. Mean, but, I but it's like, but don't, I, I personally don't think anyone should, because we've all made mistakes. We've all said things. We've all all thought things maybe years ago, and then over time, we found out something different. That's what happened. That's the normal cycle of life. So I personally am not one to dig deep into someone's past and say that you can't say, talk today because of what I, I, you said I, I, yesterday. I, I, actually, that you, you say that over the birthday? Birth 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 you're talking about the birthday. But Janelle, here's the deal. We have to dig deep for that one. I got to ask y'all this here, okay? There's an actual law that says you cannot be utilizing federal employees for uh, political purposes. Here's a video. Here's a video put out by the Lincoln Project. I want to get y'all response to it.
ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. <laughs> I'm Mike Pompeo. I'm speaking to you from beautiful Jerusalem, looking out over the old city. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the First Lady of the United States, Mrs. Melania Trump. Rob, Robert, I'll start with you. Does the law just not matter to the Trump administration? No, no, it doesn't. What, what are we talking about? We've had impeachment hearings. We've had congressional <laughs> hearings on this. Uh, nobody cares about a Hatch Act violation. We're, we're getting out of five years talking about a Russian PP tape, uh, foreign agents meeting in Trump Tower. You think anybody cares about a Hatch Act violation? <laughs> you spend your money to put together a commercial on the Hatch Act violation? <laughs> of all the, of all the, how many of Trump's friends are indicted? Uh, just once again, died at last week. How many people are Convicted. in prison? And we're talking about a Hatch Act violation? You can drag half the administration on <laughs> Steve Bannon. You got a dude speaking tonight who's under um, uh, a federal indictment for tax evasion and something along those lines. <laughs> Nobody care about the Hatch Act violation. Uh, save your money on something like this. Janelle, uh, <laughs> I, 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 guess, I guess Republicans Janelle are saying that, hey, Next Democratic president, do what the hell you want to do. Forget the Hatch Act. Don't run y'all mouth if y'all do it. Oh, no, they well, protest. No, no, wait, wait, Scott. Yeah, I said Janelle. Janelle, go ahead. Yeah, so I guess if we did complete research, we'll realize that, especially let's speak on Mike Pompeo. So when Pompeo was in Jerusalem, he was not on federal dollars. So that the issue is when oh, you wait, 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 wait. Hold up, wait, hold up. Mike Pompeo wasn't in Israel on federal before, dollars? They addressed that before the RNC convention. Okay, you do know that he's Secretary of State, right? Absolutely. They addressed is, that before. Is, is, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm checking. Is he Secretary of State? Is he Secretary of State? No, wait, 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 it's not how it works. What the, the according to the Hatch Act, it's political activities. You can't engage in political activities while using federal funding or being as a federal employee. So just so you know, this was already addressed ahead of time. But I'm not surprised oh, we're in the election year. This is what they're supposed to do. Is, I, I'm looking forward to more of these commercials. I'm sure there'll be more. Is, is a, a, Scott? I'm just curious. Is Pompeo no longer a, a federal employee? Not only is he a federal employee, he was on duty in Jerusalem. He's Secretary of State. First of all, historically, Democrats or Republicans, uh, delegate, I'm sorry, um, Secretary of State and people, diplomats, simply don't get into conventions or give political speeches. That's the first thing. Secondly, he was on duty, and certainly my tax dollars paid for him to do him, him being on duty in Jerusalem. So any, any argument to the counter is nonsense, if you will. Now, my, my, uh, Robert is right about one thing. They don't care about a hat tax. I've defended people in the government for hatch acts for years, and I got to tell you, they just get a slap on the wrist. They might lose their job, but with 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 Trump in office, he probably pardoned them for a hatch act. But they violated all four of those violations in the uh, Lincoln Project were not only accurate, but but overwhelmingly and blatant on video. But but under Donald Trump's administration, nothing will happen there. And interestingly, the vice president and the president are the only federal government employees that are exempt from the hatch act. 
I'm, I'm just curious, you know, why was he in Israel? So here's the interesting thing, though, right? It's, as you said, the, the vice president, the president is exempt from the Hatch Act, but yet outside of Secretary Pompeo, it was all the president is her president's actions that was in that commercial. So clearly there was no violation. No, actually, um, no, 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 hold on. Stop. No, 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 wait, 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 hold up. You're wrong. First of all, wait, wait, wait. First, you're wrong. First of all, the first image were on two members of the United States Marines who were in that particular and that that they were they were working at the White House and that it was a political act what Donald Trump was doing. Two, 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 one second, one second. You said, you said, I, I, no, 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 correct a sentence that's incomplete. Easy, because you said, I, no, you start by saying, I don't know why he was there, correct. right? I you said, I don't, you said, I don't know why he was there. Here's why he was there. Go to my iPad. This is the headline. Okay. On Mitty's trip, Pompeo <laughs> mixes diplomacy with parliament politics. The moment he landed, the moment he landed, he had a meeting with Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He uh, gave their speech. He is actually there representing the United States as Secretary of State. He's not there on vacation. So his mm -hmm. trip to Israel, he isn't in for, he is, he's in a, when you're the Secretary of State and you're in a foreign country, you're there on work. There's no such thing as, hey, I'm going to drop by and do a satellite interview because I'm not at work. <laughs> no, he's at work. Well, here's right. the thing, right? So what, this is the part that I don't, you, don't think you understand is that ahead. when it comes to the Hatch Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Okay. When it comes to the Hatch Act, it's not as if you don't have any moments off. I hope you, you do realize that, right? It's not 24-7. It's when you're, official, you're conducting official political activities during the time when you're in a federal capacity on federal dollars. So if he filmed that, that video outside of the time when he's working, he's not in violation of the Hatch Act. But here's the thing. I wasn't there when it was filmed, but I'm just making sure that we educate people instead of just kind of spewing these narratives. No, no, we're pretty much educated. And the Hatch Act generally prohibits federal employees from engaging in political activities while on duty in a government building, while wearing an official uniform or while using a government vehicle. Mike Pompeo is in Israel representing the United States. He's there. No, he's there. He's on duty. He's there. He wasn't okay. on duty. Right, right, right. That's 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 a pretty. He wasn't because he stepped away to do the political message. So he wasn't on duty. So 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 here's here's one of the things that I'm I'm still interested in, and and that is here, Robert. I'll start with you. The, the, and, and Doc Rivers talked about this here. He said, you watch this convention, he said, and you swear, oh my God, every city in America is just burning. Uh, it's just on fire. People, uh, I had to call my mom and daddy uh, to make sure they were not hiding under their beds or in the closet uh, at, at my Dallas area home. I took to my brother uh, in, mm -hmm. in Houston to make sure that it was all okay, that the city was not burning down. Uh, then you have the South Dakota mayor who says, no mother would want any of their children to be raised in a city run by Democrats. Is, is, is America completely uh, on fire? Is that what's going on here? 
Well, America has been on fire. I think people are just now starting to see the flames. That's the issue, that for black America, we've always been in a state of emergency. We've always been in a state of a, a five-alarm fire going on in our neighborhoods and in our communities, a lack of jobs, lack of education, lack of health care, lack of access to capital, lack of resources, uh, and especially with regards to criminal justice. I don't want people to get lost in the minutia to the point of forgetting what we're actually protesting, what we're actually fighting for, and what <clears throat> needs to happen. We have federal legislation which has been proposed and passed by the House of Representatives that has not even come up for a committing meeting, let alone a vote in the United States Senate. We have mm -hmm. state governments in this country, Democratic-run uh, <clears throat> state governments, as a matter of fact, in many states, that still do not have the types of protections for the black community in place that were, will work to ameliorate the uh, issue of police brutality. On the local level, a city like Atlanta, where me and, me and Janelle are at, and I'm uh, in the hood, and Janelle's up there in Sandy Springs and Roswell and stuff, but we, we have a black, <laughs> a black mayor, black city council, black county commission, black everything, and we still have rogue cops and red dog unit tactics being used to abuse black and brown people. The city has a police brutality problem, same with a city like Chicago, which is a democratic city, which has a police brutality problem, same thing with New York, where we all know about the NYPD or LA and the LAPD. Mm -hmm. So on that local level, we have to get those elected officials who, no matter what party they are, and particularly in places where we have political power, and ensure that they are putting the policies in place that will help to create a situation where we will not have to continue to march and protest and rally and eventually burn and destroy in order to get attention upon it, we should be able to use the ballot and not just the bullet. Janelle. <laughs> I love how Robert yeah, Janelle, I love I'm how take Robert that from him. Saying okay. you live in Sandy Springs. Scott, Scott, <laughs> stop talking when I call somebody else. Janelle. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I just I think it's hilarious how Robert talked about me living in Sandy Springs and him in the hood. Okay, Robert, you live in the hood. Um, so here's the thing. When it comes to what's happening right now in America, just in general, and comes to what, what, what in consideration with what Doc Rivers was saying, at the end of the day, I am kind of tired of hearing people who are wealthy telling me about what's happening in the black community when they have little to no involvement until after the fact. The reactionary responses are getting old. I think what we should do is focus on our leaders and our community leaders, if we want, if we want to call them that, and actually give them ask them to give us some type of, of solutions. What did you do to succeed? Because I'm, I, at some point, we have to address the fact that we're talking about individuals that have found a way to succeed in this racist America, where this time, in this time where it just seems like there's no opportunities, no chances, no, the, the, the world is burning down, all this doom and gloom. But for some reason, they've seemed to succeed. We had an African American mm -hmm. president. Had an African American first lady. I mean, there has to be a pathway to success if we keep seeing it in other people. Can we duplicate that? So here's let, let me let me speak to that because it is very interesting when I whenever I hear that particular point mm -hmm. uh, and folks say, "Well, you know, what did you do to succeed?" Janelle, here's the point: when you're black, what you don't want to have to do is. Why can't I succeed without my blackness getting in the way? Why do I have to jump over unnecessary hurdles when somebody white doesn't have to? You talked about succeeding. No, 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 it's not a major assumption. Cause I'm gonna give you an example. See, even, even that, no, 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 no,
Um, I don't know any black people that's really going through challenges. Well, no, 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 no. So, so, so let me, so no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 no. See, and and see, that's where you're wrong. So let me help you, educate you so you understand. You might sit here and say, oh my, no, 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 no. Yes, I'm going to educate you on something that you clearly don't quite understand. I'm going to give you an example that's actually real. Even though I can sit here and say, oh, I have a show and I've been on CNN, I'm on TV One, and I've worked in different places. When I I was in college at Texas A&M, working at, interning at KBTX Television in Bryan College Station, Texas, they had an opening for a weekend sports anchor. The previous guy left to go to another city. There, the assistant sports director, the sports director, the 5 p.m. executive producer, the 6 p.m. executive producer, they were all like, this is a no-brainer. Job should go to Roland. This is a no-brainer. Job should go to Roland. He's been killing it. He can do the job. The white news director, Jeff Braun, and yes, I'm using his name. Jeff Braun wasn't going to happen. His, one of his friends, who was an investigative reporter at the station, Alice Brown, took me on a walk and t- proceeded to tell me, Jeff is not going to hire you. Because that white news director had a run-in with a black man a decade earlier. This white news director said he was not going to give me the position. He'd already made the decision. Had nothing to do with talent. Had nothing to do with work ethic. Had nothing to do with education. Gave the job to one of my classmates who couldn't even come near me when it came to skill set. Now, I was discussing this with a guy who later came to the station. And he was like, you know, I know you bring that up, but you succeeded despite that. I said, well, I said, no, wait a minute. Hold up. I said, why did I have to endure that? Because if y'all say it's about talent, if y'all say it's about education, well, then why is it that I did not get the job? Two, that impacted me economically because that was a job that was denied to me as a result of my blackness. And so here I was in college where I could have had a paying job versus interning at the station for free but I didn't get it because of my (coughs) blackness. Now, that also means that when I graduated, that also impacted because had I gotten the job in college, then when I graduated, I then would have had a certain skill set on my resume that could have actually impacted the future jobs. So what black people are saying is that even when you are successful, when you are black, you have to actually, you can't, as Reverend Jackson said, if they play on a goal 10 feet, our goal is 13 feet. They are playing on a court that's 94 feet long. Our court is 130 feet long. And every time when you talk about opportunities for African-Americans, it's always some other excuse. Well, how folks necessarily get along. And let me also put this out here. You talked about a black man becoming president. When Thurgood Marshall became the first black Supreme Court justice, racism in the criminal justice system did not go away. When Doug Wilder became the governor of Virginia, the first African-American elected since Reconstruction, racism did not just go away in Virginia. When Deval Patrick became the governor in Massachusetts, racism did not just go away when he became the governor. When black folks became mayors and became 
became county commissioners, it all didn't lead. What black folks are simply saying, Janelle, is why in the hell in a, a nation where y'all want to say we all equal, well then why can't you apply that when it's time for us to get opportunities? And so, whether, I'm not, I am not done. So, well, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'm not done. Because see, since you talked about well-to-do African Americans should be saying something, do you understand that there are 88... I'm not done. I'm not no, 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 see, no, because see, this is where you still are missing. Because even, because even when you, because even when you are an experience, I'm talking right now, I'm talking right now, I'm talking right now, Janelle, 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 I'm going to let you talk, but you're not going to talk over me. I shut Scott down and Robert when they were talking over you, so you're not going to talk over me. Even when you are a successful African-American, even when you look at the case of where we are, $88 trillion that's under uh, in being investing in this country, when African-Americans not even managing 0.5% of the $88 trillion, when you have African-Americans, the data, you earlier talked about the data, what the data shows. The data actually shows that firms led by black and brown people do a, have a much higher rate of return than those led by white folks. So why is it that black folks are being locked out of that? In this country, even when you are a successful African-American, you still are having to deal with the reality of race. All black folks are saying is, as Dr. King said, be true to what you said on paper. If you truly want to say, let's be a nation where it's equal and it's about freedom, well then don't sit here and put the barriers in front of black people that you put, uh, that we have to deal with. And so even when you are a successful African-American, hell, we want to be even more successful. We want to make the same money that Bill O'Reilly make and Sean Handy make and other people like that. But what happens is that doesn't happen when you are black. Now you can talk. Okay. So I I guess I can say I, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. You were in you college. Ain't got to, you ain't got to tell um, me I'm sure sorry. we all have a I'm story. Just gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to okay. call the white boys so out. Who did now. it? But go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry that happened to you here in college. Um, I mean, like I said, we, we all have a story. We all have a situation. We all have something. We all have a reason to, uh, to have an excuse not to succeed. My thing no is when it comes to young people, when we come to, when it comes to African-American people, when it comes to young people in particular, when I talk to young people, I am tired of us selling them the sad story, telling them that because we had challenges when we were younger or because we had to overcome things, that that means that they can't succeed. All I said, which you decided to lecture me on and felt like you had to educate me on the history of being black as I, if I'm not black. I did. All I said... All I said was, why can't we provide information to young black people that educates them on how they can become successful? Why can't we encourage them? Why can't we tell them that, yes, there will be challenges? Yes, nothing comes easy. But if you put discipline on it, if you operate in excellence, if you if you decide that you're going to win despite these challenges, you can do it. You Hold know on, why? Wait a minute. Because a number of people have let, done let, let, it. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Are you a woman? Are you a woman? I know I'm just a guest, and you're no, here. Are you, you a woman? Are you a woman? I just want to complete my thought. If that's are you, okay. Are you a woman? Are you a woman? Are you a woman? 
Can I complete my thought? Are you, are are we you going are, to another subject? No, no, in the no, no. It's it. the same subject. Because see, if you're a woman, no, I'm you, sure you, you tell. You no, are you a woman? You I'm sure you tell. I'm sure you change the subject. I'm sure you share. I'm sure you share with young women about sexism. It's a crime to encourage you to be great. Can you believe this? It's a crime to encourage you to be great. No one said it's a crime. We do it all well, the time. Well, that's what I'm doing, and you proceed to tell me why I was wrong for saying that we should educate black people no, no, no. on how you, they should succeed. No, you, you criticize successful black people. Experience, and that I'm sorry that happened to you, but believe me, there are a number of people who don't look like us, that don't come from the same place we come from, that experience a number of challenges. I had that same Race? story given to me by an Indian woman that in India. So believe me, I'm telling you, it happens worldwide. And that's this is not I'm my it's not the black right. culture. Challenges is not synonymous with no, 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 no. Here's the deal. It's not a question of challenges, Janelle. It's an issue of racism. But you're a woman. Are you telling me that when you're talking to young women, you are not talking to them about the realities of sexual harassment and sexism in the workplace? Or are you only saying, hey, well, sexual all harassment that- doesn't only happen to women. So when I talk about when I talk to women about the success of women, I talk to them about how to be successful. I talk to them about things that encourages them. The last thing we need as black people in this in this world is to be told that we are not good enough or that we are not going to be able to have something. Like you said, we can't be Sean Hannity. Yes, we can. And I'm not going to tell people that we can't. That may be your realization. That may be the limit that you place on yourself. But that's not a limit I place on me. Because for one, I don't answer to to this world. I don't answer to white men. I don't answer to white women. I answer to God. And I believe that I have the opportunity to be successful. I refuse to embrace that mentality. I refuse to encourage that mentality. You can do that. But that's not something I'm going to do. Right. So I I take it when Michael Steele was chairman of the Republican National Committee, Scott, uh, when the white folks on Capitol Hill called him to a meeting and then told him, uh, look, we don't need you talking about politics, uh, just take the party stuff. When they actually, in the party, changed the very rules to where he couldn't approve <laughs> any expenditure over 5000 and he blocked that as well. Michael Steele will tell you, Janelle, as a black Republican, what he learned when he became what the chairman. Oh, no, 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 excuse me. When he became chairman of the Republican National Committee, he might have been the chairman, but he was still black. What? Scott, go ahead. Yeah, you know, um, (laughs) underlying systemic racism affects all of us if you are a person of color. And whether I'm a wealthy attorney or successful attorney and have all the accoutrements doesn't mean I haven't been racially profiled. I've been profiled by the police. I've been abused by the police. And despite my despite that, I've become a success. That's what's missing from that that last dialogue. Secondly, whether I'm wealthy or not, I can still see injustice. I can still see racial violence by the police against black men. And I certainly have a human interest, but a moral obligation to speak out against it. My conservative friends and GOP friends tend to think that if you're successful, what are you complaining about? I'm successful despite the racism I've had to endure and overcome. And if I made some money along the way, God bless me, but that doesn't mean racism doesn't exist. That doesn't mean the perpetrators have gone away, as Roland said, whether we've got a black president 
a black managing partner at a big law firm. And, and Janelle, you did kind of start out saying that, but we are just as qualified. I am just as qualified as a young black kid who may be committing a crime in Southeast Washington and being abused by the police or suspected because I've been thrown down in front of my Georgetown home by the police when an alarm went off. I've been stopped in my very nice car asked, and asked by the police, where am I going? And I'm 58 years old right and, now. And that Brooks Brothers, that Brooks Brothers that suit didn't profiling. do nothing. That, Bro Bro that Brooks Brothers suit didn't do nothing. Exactly. And you gotta, you have to, Chanel, you have to well, give, that, give us that. Because I agree <laughs> with you. I mentor yeah. students, Morehouse, Howard students. I mentor young kids. And I give yeah. them the same message that you talked about. I don't tell them they can't make it because of racism, but I give them the tools to say you can make it and overcome systemic underlying racism because we've got to be real about that. If you don't incorporate that in your mentorship, then you're failing these young people. And so hopefully more and more of us will succeed despite racism, but the Rolling. racism is going environmental racism is going right. to be there no matter what. You, know, you can't ignore that. Hey, Robert, I read a story. Robert, I'm going to you. Robert, I read a story uh, on Robert Smith the wealthiest African-American in the country. Now, mm -hmm. anywhere from five to six billion, Robert. And he was talking, was, the story was about him and what he's done. And he talked about how it felt to be driving his Rolls Royce, mm -hmm. headed to the airport to get on his private Gulfstream jet that yep. he owns. But he's having to sit there at a traffic stop because a cop just saw a black man driving a Rolls Royce. See, this exactly. happened multiple times. The interesting, interesting thing, as Janelle was talking about successful African Americans and all this sort of stuff, Robert, do you know really when racial profiling became a national story? No, 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 no. But Janelle, we all heard what you said. Racial profiling became a national story. No, no, no. One, one, one second. I know it's a negative in the black no, community. No, 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 no. It's not negative. Here's the deal. Racial profiling, Robert. Racial profiling, Robert. Well, I'm, I'm not, no, 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 actually, you're wrong. What, I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, I, see, I, 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 I encourage black people. Let's talk about all the times we racial profile. Let's talk about all the times every single day. But here's the deal, Robert. I'm talking to Robert. No, no, one second. I'm talking to Robert. Robert, here's the deal. The reason racial profiling truly became a national story, it wasn't because poor black people were being stopped by cops. It was because middle class and upper middle class black people who were driving nice vehicles were being stopped on the New Jersey Turnpike. That is when it became a truly national story. And so for all their success, America, these cops still saw them as, damn your mm -hmm. suit, damn your education, I see you drive an expensive car, you clearly got it by legal means. Robert, go ahead, you want to speak. Uh, well, look, uh, on uh, kind of to Janelle's point, look, Janelle's one of the hardest working uh, political strategists I have ever met. Uh, she goes up to the grassroots level. She uh, is a prominent voice of the Republican Party. She takes all those slings and arrows of being a black conservative in the current media environment and really gets out there and does the things that you're supposed to do as a political operative. And if she was a white woman, she'd be speaking at the Republican National Convention right now, but she's mm. here with us because of the issues uh, of being an African-American in this country and then the... And, 
uh, the issues of being an African-American in this country and this idea that we have to do twice as much work, twice as hard to get half as far. The entire point of the movement is understanding that the only way to change the hearts and minds of individuals is to change the legal framework. Before you had the uh, public accommodations, for example, the only way to get white people to understand that it was okay to be around black folks was to change the legal framework first, and then and then that changes the hearts and minds of the individuals because we discussed that earlier. Similarly now, once we put a legal framework in place that will change those statistics, that will end the uh, criminal industrial complex, that will end the over-policing of African-American communities, that will end the systemic racism and injustice that is experienced by many people in this country, then we won't have to tell this story, uh, as Janelle said, uh, tell this story to people about what they can't do because we would have eliminated the barriers that are in place so they re really will be a free and fair country. We all are trying to form a more perfect union, but I don't think any of us believe that we can get there by simply ignoring the imperfections and moving on. Janelle, go ahead. Robert, you are my friend. Robert, you are my friend, but I'm not going to allow you to downplay where I am tonight because I'm not speaking at the RNC. I do a lot of <laughs> wonderful things. I've met the president numerous times. I've spoken on a platform with the president numerous times. So I am by no means thinking that I'm in some sort of way being being sh shaded or pushed out because I'm not on the are stage tonight. Are you more tonight, qualified okay? than Tiffany? You got to give other people a chance. I've spoken with the president twice. Are you more qualified than Tiffany Trump to be speaking? Are you bragging or complaining about that? I'm not complaining. I just want to make sure that, that Robert knows because right. see, this is the problem that I, I have is that we make uh -huh. it seem like if we're not if we're not getting every single opportunity that we're not winning mm -hmm. or we're being shaded. Right. And that's not the case. I got you. And am I more qualified I to speak to Tiffany? I don't compare myself to other individuals. I do the work that I do. I've accomplished a lot of things and I've accomplished more than what most people have accomplished. So I know for a fact that I do get get the return on my investment. And I'm okay with the return on my investment. Okay. I don't need to be speaking on the, at the RNC in order to be okay with that. See, here's the, here's the deal. Mm. This, this is very simple. First of all, there are numerous African-Americans, folks like me, we've done it for years. Uh, we are speaking to black folks, commencements, high schools, junior mm -hmm. high, elementary school, saying what they need to do to succeed. But it's also yeah. a reality of also what it means to be black. Because see, one of the things, Scott... That's quite interesting. Well, the previous generation doesn't tell you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. All of a sudden, when it hits you, you're grossly unprepared. I've had to talk to a number of millennials and Gen Zs uh, who were like, oh my, but I, 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 I didn't think this was actually going to happen to me. And I had to tell them <coughs> that even your Ivy League degree is not a shield from your blackness. Even you wearing right. a Brooks Brothers suit, you might be wearing your Louboutin shoes, it's not a shield. Now, here's the other the deal. I, and I, you know, I get a kick out with some white folks and some black people, Scott, will say things like, mm -hmm. oh, because you didn't get something, it's because of your race. But we can also show undeniably when it did happen because of your race. Here's my whole deal. Again, Scott, as Dr. King said, be true to what you said on paper. See, if, right. if you want us, if you, that's why I love when people say, you playing the race card. If you don't want somebody to bring up race well damn it you don't bring up race because see being black i don't bring up race i don't bring it up but race gets brought up to me when it's mm -hmm. well I, i'm not quite sure about your perspective on this story and whether you could tell it appropriately or as soledad <laughs> o'brien was told by a senior exec well roland's not the right kind of black Mm. See, those, not one of those, those, things, those things are real. Those things actually <laughs> happen. And what those things do, Scott, they limit opportunities 
that right. have nothing to do with your skill set, but you're just not the right kind of black. And they and they want to base it on some race-neutral view or term. We see it in every industry. By the way, this isn't a Brooks Brothers. This is something else, but that's another story. Um, Same. In, any- <laughs> in, 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 in the words of Tommy Davidson talking to Joseph Phillips, Republican, in Strictly Business, he's like, you might want to put that shit on the outside. It look like another bland-ass gray suit to me. But go ahead. <laughs> More expensive than that. <laughs> in, in, in any event, you, you know, the... You don't bring up race, but when you walk in a room, you're speaking race because they see the color of your skin. And they can't say they're racially blind anymore. But with that comes certain perceptions by people that don't look like us. And I got to tell you, they perceive that we are not as smart as them. We don't work as hard as them. We cannot handle, we're not as capable of them. Uh, We don't have as much money as them. Uh, Our net worth is not like theirs. We can go down the list. Now, that doesn't bother me per se, because one thing um, my colleague said is that we may never eliminate racism from this country. So America's never going to reach its greatest promise of freedom, justice, and equality. But, But here's the deal, right? I should not be the exception to the rule in the legal field. I should be one of many successful lawyers who happen to be black, not that I'm a great black lawyer because that qualifies my success and my capabilities. But in in a room full of people that don't look like me, my success is qualified despite my title as a managing partner, despite my title as a rainmaker, despite the fact the majority of my clients don't look like the people on this uh, on this show right here. And that's going to be a perpetual perennial problem. Now, I don't make that stop my drive for success. So I've got to talk about racism to young people, but then I've got to talk to them about what is your plan for success despite uh, racism? Because that's the only way I'm going to bring along other lawyers who are great and talented, successful, who happen to be black, but are more than capable against those in the courtroom who, who don't look like them. And, and Rob- I preach both. And Robert, I preach and, both. And Robert, as somebody who owns a black media company, I would love for ad agencies to judge us on the merits of what we do. But when I also know within ad, yeah. within ad agencies, they assign a higher value to white viewers than they mm-hmm. do to black viewers. So they create these metrics, but then even yeah. when they create the metrics and we hit the metrics, Robert, they still go, ah, oh, but that black viewer is not right. as desirable as the white viewer. So therefore, right. we're going to pay you a higher amount of money for a spot if you target a white consumer versus you target a black consumer. That ain't me just making something up. That's, hey, me, that's, that's reality. Me, that's me, Robert, being real right. honest with a black media entrepreneur that do understand they are going to pay them a higher CPM and they're going to pay you because they have decided that that white viewer is more valuable than the black viewer. That ain't me. That's their system, Robert. 
Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Final, well, look, mm-hmm. two, two points that I think we have to address. Uh, one, as Condoleezza Rice said, uh, racism is the fundamental birth defect of America. It's a, a part of us. It's woven into our society. It's woven into our culture. To deny its existence is to deny the existence of America as an institution. Mm-hmm. We never had a Truth and Reconciliation Council as they had in South Africa. Uh, right. never, we, we cut off reconstruction after uh, a little over 10 years. So we never really mm-hmm. reconstructed the, Af- uh, the African who was enslaved in this nation. And therefore, we are still dealing with the shrapnel of that initial explosion of, of blackness into America. So until we confront this from a systemic uh, aspect, from an economic aspect, from a social and political aspect, then we're going to always have these issues. And I think That's that right. the discussion we're having is a two parts of the same story. Yes, we have to give the positive image and positive message of what we can do in America while concurrently fighting against and inheriting the racist and segregationist system, which, uh, which seeks only to see the quote-unquote Western civilization. Every time I hear a black person say Western civilization, I look at them sideways because <laughs> I try to say they're not talking about you. When they say, say Western civilization, they're saving it from you. That's the, that's the idea. They're trying to save it. They're talking about Rome and Greece, not, not Nigeria, not Ghana, not Sierra Leone. So understand what you're doing when you're, under, when you're uh, parroting other people's talking points. We have to make sure that this society, which is infected from birth, actually stands up and lives up to its creed, and we can only do that by changing the legal framework. Second point, got to get a plug in before we run out of time, to on <laughs> Friday. We're doing a town hall with Robert Redfield, the CDC director, to talk directly to the African-American healthcare community. We're going to be doing a fireside chat with Reverend Jackson at 11 a.m. Um, to sign up for that Zoom call with the CDC director to talk about African-American healthcare with uh, Leon McDougal from the American Medical Association, uh, Dr. Deborah Furholden, Dean of um, Public Health at Michigan State University, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Go to rainbowpushatlanta.org. Uh, Janelle, right. final comment. Uh, Janelle, final comment. Always cutting me off. Scott, you spoke before Robert. I want to speak again. Well, you're not. Janelle, go. (laughs) It's your final comment. Thank you. Thank you all um, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Folks, if you want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered, join our Brina Funk fan club. Uh, your support makes all of this possible. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash Unfiltered. Venmo.com is forward slash Unfiltered. You can also, of course, uh, your money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, the folks uh, who are giving 50 bucks or more uh, who get a personal shout-out, uh, Anjanette uh, Turnage, uh, Carla Nichols, Cecilia Dorsey, Claude Price, David Johnson, Eric Cosby, Fendrick Rush, Gene Howell, George, Joanne Brantley-Benjamin, June um, Spence, Karen Davis, Keith Thomas, Leah Thomas, Mary Gates, uh, Mitch Smith, uh, Mylon uh, Batips, uh, Myrtle Turner, Patrice Commodore, Romeo Adams, Sonia, Tracy Montgomery, Trevin, Tr- Trevin Johnson, Zelma Hall. Again, folks, uh, we uh, cover the stuff that people don't uh, really focus on, really allowing to have uh, the type of uh, deep conversations that we need. But this is also about educating our folks on a whole bunch of stuff they don't know. Don't forget, folks, it is 68 days until Election Day. We need you to ensure that you are registered to vote. Now, do me a favor. I want you to go to vote.org for a reason. I need you to check your status. Anthony, go to my iPad, 68 days. Uh, I have told y'all, I've had people email me who said they were registered, then they double-checked, and they were not on the rolls. So everybody who is listening to my voice uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, on the Roller Martin Unfiltered Audio Podcast on the iHeartRadio Network, I need you to go to vote.org to check 
your registration. If you are not registered, you need to register to vote. It takes less than two minutes. If you want to vote by mail, all you gotta do is click vote by mail, put in your information to request your absentee ballot. It will take you to your state's page with all that information. Uh, that's what you must do. Uh, also, I want you to go to uh, another site, IWillVote.org for more information as well. Uh, I want you to go there as well. Uh, again, that's another site. Uh, that's IWillVote.com. You got voter hotline. Folks, we have to be using our power. You must use your power. Folks did indeed fight and protest and die for us to use uh, have the right to vote. You damn well better use it. Because if we have black folks who are sitting at home, then you might as well shut the hell up when you want to complain about what's happening in our society. I will see you guys tomorrow on Roller Mark Unfiltered. Let me thank Scott. Let me thank Robert. Let me thank Janelle, our panelists. Let me thank all the guests we had uh, on the show as well. Houston, y'all stay safe when it comes to that hurricane. And all y'all, unapologetically black. That's how we do it right here. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.